Welcome to the Nonprofit Experience. I'm Sandy Sear, Managing Editor for the Philanthropy Journal. In this episode, researchers Jason Coupe and Jessica Barrett discuss the overhead myth, measuring nonprofit efficiency, and what keeps them up at night. Jason Coupe, Assistant Professor, NC State. Jessica Haney, third year uh, doctoral candidate and instructor at NC State in the Department of Public Administration. Yeah, also Department of Public Administration, I forgot that. Not, not engineering. Thanks for having us on here. Having this paper come out, thinking through the overhead ratio of what it means or, or doesn't mean for efficiency, um, it's really got me thinking about a couple of things. So I'm really glad to be a scholar in public administration. Not that this paper is this. I'm not saying it is. Let me repeat, I'm not saying it is. But I was watching the Nobel Prize stuff like two weeks ago, and uh, it, it made me think, I'm like, um, the, the, the Nobel Prize winners in economics, they got a, an award, and this is typical, right, 50 years after, after what they pitched was published, right, and sort of came out into the scholarly market. And, what, and again, I'm not saying we should win a Nobel Prize, but <laughs> it was kind of cool to have something come out and then literally get a phone calls about how important it is the next day. Um, and I was really sort of grateful for that. It made me reflect on um, the value of our field and um, how being applied and pragmatic is cool because I feel like an engineer of the social sciences, right? Like you, we're problem solvers, and we that sort of went straight to the folks who needed it most. Uh, the second thing it made me reflect on is just how much more development I think our field needs as social scientists and how much the nonprofit space, I think, could benefit from uh, sort of being a little bit more religious about how social science is supposed to work. Uh, we've, we've done a few sort of podcasts and interviews about the paper and sort of what the paper means. And one of the takeaways that, uh, that folks seem to be marching, marching on with is um, the notion that, see, the overhead ratio does negatively correlate with efficiency. And it's like, well, it did in this paper, right? And so it, it while our, our paper was the overhead ratio is not a measure of efficiency, and we're pretty hardcore about that, right? But what it doesn't mean, right, is that the overhead ratio is a bad measure of anything for nonprofits. It could be. It could not be, right? We haven't tested that, right? And Jessica, I think that that's sort of why I think the paper is a good segue into what you hope to spend the next few years studying. Right, because at some point, the overhead ratio, like any other cost curve, if you increase the costs, at some point, you'll be more productive for doing so. But there's always a tipping point, right? You can't, uh, the behavior of any cost curve um, is mostly curvilinear. So there's probably a right amount to spend on overhead for every nonprofit um, organization. And um, that's sort of an interesting space, I think, that we can can play in going forward. Yeah, so how I see this paper, it was, it was the first step that we needed to take, right? And, you know, first we needed to really look at and kind of take apart the overhead ratio, which we did. And so this future research or kind of the next steps of the research, um, you know, I'm really looking or hoping to see how then, how do these overhead ratios or overhead expenses how do they affect performance? And Jason, as you were saying too, is that, you know, can we, 
can we find the sweet spot, right? And But one of the things, one of the challenges for us is that we do need to recognize just how diverse the nonprofit sector is and that, you know, that sweet spot, say, for, you know, like, for example, in, in this first study that we just had published, um, our sample we took from uh, Habitat for Humanity. So we're looking at um, the, the habitat chapters around the country. And so we can find their sweet spot to be able um, to, you know, where their ideal, you know, uh, uh, overhead ratios are um, to have, um, you know, the best performance, right? Um, but then we've got to be able to, to replicate that in these other subsectors, um, you know, whether that be, um, you know, uh, those that work, um, uh, you know, like food pantries or um, other health and human service organizations or environmental organizations, right? And so that's the key thing that we have to keep in mind with this is that as a sector, when it comes to really assessing these overhead ratios, that we do need to look at it um, not as a whole um, yep. and, and apply it to the entire sector, right? We do need to take it kind of subsector by subsector. Um, and see then can we start to find these sweet spots. And maybe we would see trends that, you know, these sweet, sweet spots are similar across subsectors. You know, that, that's to be determined, right? Yeah, and I, I think that um, that's why the sort of being more religious social scientist sort of comes, um, comes to mind, right? We, we do science by repli replication, right? And so what we find with this particular project should be tested and tested again, and sort of test it again and test it again in different samples in different contexts and should be challenged. And then, you know, then we can start to build theory about sort of the way, uh, the way things work. I think organizational science in general um, suffers from that, including the folks who sort of study nonprofits and try to take those findings to um, the spaces where, where managers need the most. Uh, we have to be very, very careful about sort of walking what we find in one instance um, into lessons for how people serve underserved communities, uh, we can't skip steps. I thought that was an important sort of takeaway. Every time I, I filled a phone call, it's like, see, I knew it. The overhead ratio is good. And I'm like, ah, that's, that's not what the paper said, right? It said that it's not a measure of efficiency. Um, the other thing is uh, that's sort of been on my mind, like the overhead ratio is, is um, important in the field, Right for the last fifteen years, at least, scholars have been sort of spending time thinking through what this means and what this doesn't mean. Uh, the other thing that's sort of been on my mind is efficiency, right? Um, and that, for me, where the impetus, my impetus for being involved in the paper came from, is that the way we're theorizing how efficient nonprofits are is probably not right if we're using just costs, right? We need to be thinking about how to model the relationship between what you use to do the service that you do and what, how much service you do, right? Um, and that really is the, the, the backbone of efficiency. Um, so what's cool about the paper, I think, is that there have been some attempts at it and going, hey, this makes nonprofits more or less efficient. Uh, but if you're not measuring efficiency right, a lot of what we think improves efficiency, the efficiency of nonprofits um, could be wrong, right? And so I think there's an opportunity, too, to sort of think through uh, theorizing efficiency uh, 
better. Like I'm an outsider of the field. My my PhD is not in. I'm trained as an economist, and so you know we we think about efficiency as this relationship, a dynamic relationship between inputs and outputs. And to see learning this field has been a challenge. Sort of becoming an insider has been uh, useful in some ways, but I think one of the advantages of being an outsider or coming into the field as an outsider is I go, wow, that's really different than how I was trained to think about efficiency. Um, and sort of helping push that conversation forward about what does it mean to be an efficient nonprofit, right? I mean, I, there's lots of thoughts about what does it mean to, to, to do your mission effectively. Uh, but if we're thinking about efficiency, right, freeing up resources so that you can use those freed up resources to serve more, right? What does that mean? How do we measure that? How do we theorize that? Um, what should the takeaway be from the folks who, who are grinding every day to sort of serve communities and really want to make sure that they're maximizing um, the good they can do with what they have? So it's funny, as we're sitting here, not to like go in like a totally different direction or on tangent, but um, you know, it's interesting. So we've been working together now for a couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, given, you know, you've, your background, strategic management, economics, I'm curious, like what got you more into like going down like a public nonprofit path versus more of like traditional, like more management business, yeah. right? The show and money, tell you that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> a, I burned a big stack of that, uh, but no, no. But it actually is the uh, the other way around for me. I um, so I I was fortunate. I I graduated undergrad pretty early, so I had some time to kill in terms of figuring myself out. So I worked in corporate finance for a couple of years, and it was the, I hated every minute of it. Um, so it's just crazy. I guess I should take the company off my CV now because you can Google where it was. Anyway, um, <laughs> it wasn't fun. So then I taught. I taught math um, in in elementary school for a few years, and it was fun, but it was really challenging. And one of the reasons it was challenging is school systems, right? And um, I'm from Chicago, and that's an interesting place. To, to be a teacher. I mean, I felt like the last thing I was doing was actually teaching math. I was wearing, I, I was a social worker. I was a counselor. I was a, a manager. I was a, an administrative assistant. I was um, a worker. I was beholden to the principal's whims, right? I, I had all of these sort of other issues, and it made me think really hard about the way school systems work and efficiency, right? I mean, how do you get data and information and decisions uh, from centralized spaces to bureaucrats like me in front of a classroom to help make them do their jobs better. So the organizational challenges of, the, of a public sector sort of came out of that, right? Um, you know, thinking about things like corruption. I mean, at the time we had, uh, I think the, the, our, Chicago's last public school CEO um, is, is in federal prison for, for bribery. And uh, I, either the current one or the one before this one has, was also being investigated for uh, for contracting fraud. And so, like, it, when you're in a space where, like, public and, and service organizations are fraught with so many strategic and operational challenges, I started thinking about, and my background was in econ, like, what would economics say about how service organizations, whether public or nonprofit, can, like, navigate these challenges better? And I, I think what differentiated me between other sort of classically trained economists is 
I didn't think about efficiency in a market clearing framework as in like, oh, you know, low taxes are always good. And right, like everything should be stripped and cleared and everything should be decentralized. That, that was not it for me. It was what do organizational econ economists say about institutions and the way institutions work? Um, agency problems, right? How do we sort of think through those in a way that frees up resources, not for tax cuts, but so that we can do even more with sort of what we what we have to to uh, serve communities, um, and it it uh, so that always fueled me, right? And so when I started at at grad grad school, sort of think through those challenges. I was doing a mix of economics and like educational policy, but it, the, the particular school I was in, most of the good organization, oh, it's, most of the organizational scientists I knew, I'm going to take good back because there were probably good people all over, right? Um, that I I ended up working with were in a business school. So I moved over there, um, not to study profit, although there was certainly a lot of that, um, but to think through using management science to help solve strategic organizational challenges. So my interest was never um, to help, you know, the banks be more efficient or, you know, United cram more people into an airline. Um, right? <laughs> if they were, I would, I would have driven here in a really big car. Um, like... Right. So it, it was never that it was always sort of um, thinking through um, improving systems to sort of help working class uh, think through how do how do our systems improve in a way that uh, working class folks get the best out of those systems. Right. Um, so I, I, that's why I've dabbled in so many different things like transportation and schools and uh, like these sort of challenges that go, ooh, I have this efficiency hammer and it's like, how do I, we'll make this more efficient, we'll make that more efficient. Um, so for me, it's always been that uh, it's it's uh, the science has always sort of been a, an end end around to um, efficient operational. Right, I'm just like everybody else. I, I hate standing in line at DMV. So it's like you. It was like this shouldn't take two hours. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and it, I can absorb that cost better than someone who's sort of worse off. When you think about the kind of challenges that we face. Being more efficient by public, you know, public, a more efficient public and nonprofit service sector would really help working class folks out more, right? A good, efficient public transit system might cut the time it takes for a minimum wage employee to take a bus an hour across a five-mile city to go pick up a kid and an hour back home. If we could speed that up, right, now working class folks have more time that they can sort of spend educating their kids. and yeah. But what got you interested in, in sort of... Oh goodness! Service so work. I, I fell into the nonprofit sector totally by accident. My undergrad degree was in integrative physiology from University of Colorado, and um, so I was in the health and fitness industry for about five years. And I got to a point in my career where um, I, I had to I moved back to uh, Syracuse, and I couldn't find a, a decent job in my field. The company I was working for went out of business and I, I couldn't find another job. And long story short, I went to a temp agency, had to get something to pay the bills. And they placed me as the development assistant for the School of Architecture at Syracuse University. Oh, wow. I had no idea what a development assistant even was, right? Or like what development even meant, right? I uh, quickly found out it was fundraising, which I had no background in. I ended up in that position, you know, it was this like this part-time temp position. And it just kept on evolving, where then they brought me on full-time, and then it became this permanent position. And the woman I worked for, their, their development director, um, was just, she's this incredible woman, and she was an incredible mentor. 
and taught me everything she knew about fundraising, and it, it clicked with me. Um, and so at, when I was at Syracuse then and became a full-time employee and realized I could go back to school um, for free, <laughs> um, decided to pursue my master's. And at that point, the, the MBA program at the Whitman School was the uh, the only program that gave me the flexibility to continue working full-time and then to get my master's on the side. And so started uh, started business school. Um, but I realized that it wasn't the best fit culture-wise for me, right? Oh, God, kind of yeah. as, right? Yeah. As, as, Preaching the choir. Yeah. Right? I mean, as Jason was saying, right? Like, yeah. um, it just it wasn't a good fit for me. And I, I knew I was not interested in studying these large corporations and yeah. And so I did all my electives at the Maxwell School, um, the Public Administration School at Syracuse. And um, I had the opportunity. I worked um, with Arthur Brooks and Mary Sherhart. And between the two oh, of them, wow, cool. between the two of them, and the, uh, uh, the I ended up be working with Arthur Brooks as his graduate assistant. And he he's also been one of my biggest mentors. And he was the one who really, um, really inspired me with the work that he was doing and the way that he looked at the nonprofit sector um, and how he was bringing, you know, tools from the business sector into thinking, in, into the how we think about nonprofits, right? And this was, like, the first time I was exposed to, like, social entrepreneurship, right? And, and all this, right? And it just, it totally fascinated me, and I loved it. And so, um, you know, at that point, then I could, I decided, all right, I'm going to continue a career in the nonprofit sector. And so, you know, went on from Syracuse, you know, after uh, graduating with my MBA, um, worked for uh, several nonprofit organizations and fundraising. And after a while, I decided that, you know, I had such, such a great skill set um, that I wanted to be able to work with a variety of organizations and not just, you know, be employed with one single organization. So then I started my consulting company. And, you know, I've had my consulting firm now for eight, nine years. And um, so then that just, like, opened up my world to nonprofits because I worked um, – I didn't work with, like, a specific type of nonprofit. I worked across the sector, um, across the country. And um, – but it was interesting because it really um, – as a consultant, you start to see a lot of this, the same problems over and over and over, whether – it's the challenges of fundraising and staying sustainable as an organization or the challenges of nonprofit governance and working with boards. Um, you know, I mean, the, the list goes on, right? Um, that you, you just, you see the same, same challenges. And, you know, as a consultant, I was like, I'm tired of just kind of coming in and putting the Band-Aid on and mm-hmm. off I go, right? So I started just asking really, really hard questions of the sector. And I went back to Arthur Brooks, I remember. I went and visited him, and we were having this conversation. And I was, I was posing all these hard questions. I mean, I, I remember, like, one of my big, like, really tough questions is, or was, is the nonprofit model the right model for addressing society's biggest problems, mm. right? Like, that was just, that's yeah. one that always stands out in my head, right? Really challenging the nonprofit model. And, you know, and he was like, you've got to go get your PhD. Mm. You know, the, the questions you're asking, these aren't, you're, you know, we can't answer yeah. right? Like, these are, these are questions you got to dive into, right? Yeah. And so I know that's kind of the, the long version. But that's how I, you know, got to where I am today. And, um, and what really continues to drive me and motivate me is that, 
you know, we have these these huge pressing issues out there, right? And, um, you know, the nonprofit sector, and not just the nonprofit sector, right? I mean, you could look at the government, you could look at the private sector. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're all trying to, to figure out how to address these issues. And, you know, in some areas, like, we're, we're making some progress, yeah. right? I don't want to, like, knock everything. Yeah. But at the same time, like, we're just, to me, it, it gets frustrating because I feel like we're just kind of maintaining problems, right? And it's, what is it going to take to really get to the root causes and really, like, solve these problems, right, and move beyond? And I don't know, maybe maybe that's impossible, right? But yeah. I'd, like to, I'd like to hope that, or I'd like, you know, like to hope, yeah. uh, or have hope that it is possible, yeah. right? What has been interesting around being in rooms with uh, folks who have PhDs and from business schools uh, or who, who work for corporations and nonprofit folks, there seems to be this deference to, um, it's funny, we both come from this, these sort of businessy backgrounds, like, to like, oh, we should learn from the proprietary sector. And even when there's pushback, we go like, well, our problems are unique here. And what, like, the proprietary sector has lots of problems, right? I mean, there's a reason that, well, other reasons too, that that they pay what they pay in business schools, right? Like there are huge, big, robust university apparatus and consultants and to solve problems. So the fact that there are hu- huge structural problems that nonprofits wrestle with uh, is not a defining characteristic of, of the sector. The same thing with public organizations, the same thing with nonprofit organizations. Project organizations struggle all the time. I was reading yesterday that, you know, PlayStation is in a huge argument, um, its executives and its its board and its shareholders about whether or not it should continue its its uh, cable streaming, right? It's not like the market sort of dictated a path and then everyone sort of knows what to do. They're having huge fights about what the strategic direction should be, right? I mean, this is sort of par for the course. Um, organizational science is a way, a tool to sort of help managers of uh, all organizations sort of help solve ongoing problems and make decisions that are always going to be in dynamic spaces. It's not an easy, um, you know, it, there's never a, which is because we're not, we're not, there, we're not people, right? We're in a space where we're sharing space. So sometimes when I do something, it matters. For, I guess that's true for people too. It matters a lot for you, right? If I get bigger, what does it mean for you? So it, we are in a space where there's just deterministic production function where every time I do more of this, I should expect this, expect this, right? We can use data to help drive decisions, but across all organizations, right, we're sort of in this dynamic space where things change and we feel those changes together and we'll always be wrestling with okay. strategic challenges. So I don't, I think it's been a little, I won't say annoying, but sort of sad to hear uh, so many nonprofit managers go like, oh, well, you know, in the business school, they do that. You know, in the business sector, it's like, man, that's just rife with problems, right? Like, CEOs are fired all the time uh, for making poor strategic decisions uh, or you know, disagreements between boards and executives and between employees and executives and between boards and shareholders. I mean, these things are rife with tension and challenges. Yeah. So I don't think that the nonprofit sector being rife with problems makes it unique at all. You know, we... we uh, Anytime there's a sort of space with organizations, we'll have challenges. Yeah, and I'm, well, I'm curious, and some of the people that you've talked to recently, especially about the research that's come out, have you gotten any pushback on 
emphasizing the efficiency in the nonprofit context, right? Because what this makes me think of is, you know, so I, I teach um, teach the, an introduction to nonprofits course for undergrads, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we are we we're talking about recently is we are comparing comparing and contrasting, uh, you know, kind of the, the government space, the the business space, and the nonprofit uh, space, right? We were talking about the core values of each, right? Where, you know, we teach that, you know, you've got equity as a core value of the government, you've got efficiency as a core value of the business sector, and you've got effectiveness mm. as a core value of the nonprofit sector. Not to say that, you know, businesses aren't interested in effectiveness, right? But still, like, efficiency is front and center, right? Profit. And, right yeah. Profit, right? And for nonprofits, not that they don't care about efficiency, but that they, you know, put effectiveness first. So, um, so I guess going back, like, one, has anybody kind of challenged her, you on that in terms of focusing on, effic- you know, on efficiency mm-hmm. of nonprofits and being like, ah, oh, like, you know, we're trying to make nonprofits too much like for-profits. Yeah. We're trying to push that too much, right? Which is a, a delicate balance, yeah. right? But the, on, on, then the second part of that is then, like, how do we kind of... I don't know. I don't know if the word. If, if how do we bridge efficiency and effectiveness, or yeah. you know, really frame that? Yeah, right? I. Oh, we need another podcast for that. Like it, <laughs> it's like it. Uh, no, nah, so just of, like this stuff keeps me up at night. Um, <laughs> the short of it is, I think that there are fundamental misunderstandings about what efficiency means and what effectiveness means. Um, Effectiveness is whatever you define as effectiveness. Uh, efficiency means maximizing the output that you get with inputs. The, pr- the private, quote, proprietary sector only cares about efficiency insofar as it cares about profit. Businesses do really inefficient things all the time in terms of making what they make because it's more profitable to be less efficient, right? If, it, if I'm, I have a company and I'm trying to build something that's high-end, I'm going to spend more than it would normally take to build something and convince you through marketing or whatever that it's high end and then sell it at a higher price, right? It doesn't mean that it's it's efficient, right? Other Some firms value efficiency more than others. Um, if I'm competing, for instance, on cost or I'm in a space where uh, I'm making something, I produce things and I need to make it faster, then I care. But, you know, if I'm a marketing firm, I don't care, right? It, it's less about that and more about I'll dump a ton of input to make one magazine but if that magazine makes me more profitable, I, I think that matters because, the, A, the notion that, like, the proprietary sector is more efficient or cares is I think we need to unpack that a little bit. Um, efficiency is maximizing outputs for inputs. And I think that'll help inform what nonprofits think, too. So when they go, well, we're trying to be too much like the proprietary sector, it's like, no, you ain't. You are if you're going, is this program profitable or not? And if it's profitable, then we keep it. And if it's not, then we cut it. That's the logic sort of behind, like, the proprietary logic. Being efficient just means freeing up resources. It's what you do with those resources or what you plan, what those resources mean for you strategically that sort of makes you more like a certain sector, right? So if, if your goal is maximizing shareholder value, then you're like, a, you're, like a, you're like a proprietary sector. Other than that, being efficient just means freeing stuff up, right? It, 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 it means freeing it up in a way that allows you to do... Uh, more of what you do like what differentiates sectors for me is goal how you construct your goals what is the mission of it um so being efficient is always good like i don't being efficient also means being effective right like to me um 
Yeah, effectiveness, that's the thing you're measuring, right? That's your outcome or output. That's sort of what you're, you want, being effective means making more meals, right? So you can, that's a core part of, those things can be weaved together. I, like I, I struggle with the dichotomy between like, efficient or effective so those kind of conversations i've been having too yeah well it's hilarious because the so you know as i'm like jotting down like notes on the side here i just put research question does efficiency lead to effectiveness mm-hmm. right and so i think that's you know as I think about kind of the future research agenda that's certainly you know with it, it builds off the research yeah. that you know that we've been doing right and i mean that's an easy enough you know now with data that we have right we can look at that right but again, we have to keep in mind that, um, you know, we can look at it in one setting, right? But we got to continue. The, it, get, it goes back to the earlier conversation. We got to continue to replicate this yeah. in other nonprofit se- settings or subsectors, right? And so, um, which, yeah, just continues to build the research yeah. agenda, right? Yeah, <laughs> never no, no, ending. No. Yeah, I think um, sort of just going forward, um, you know, we will. Hopefully, continue to work together to sort of help parse some of these these conversations out um, for for the nonprofit space. Like you know, being efficient, um, a is not not minimizing overhead ratio, right? But it it it, it doesn't mean maximizing either. It, it it just means measuring what you're doing, what you have, in a way that allows you to serve uh, more efficiently, right? If you if you can make five instead of four there's somebody that's eating that wouldn't otherwise be eaten. And that's sort of what efficiency, the way I see it anyway, brings to the table. It's, it's uh, stretching what you got to the, the best you can, right? Um, so hopefully that's the core takeaway of the paper. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, we'll continue to work together to sort of both directly and, and through research to sort of help, um, hopefully help, help be part of the discussion about how nonprofits make their strategic decisions. Yeah, no, I definitely, I look, I, Definitely look forward to that. And uh, I'm really anxious just to see where this all goes for sure. Yeah, no, um, me too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Experience. TNE is a project of the Philanthropy Journal. Our managing editor is Sandy Sear. Our graduate editor is Kristen Gallahue. Our graduate assistant editor is David Mueller. And our communications assistant is Haley Jones. This episode was produced by David Mueller, who also wrote our theme music. For more information on this and other episodes, visit us at philanthropyjournal.org. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Nonprofit Experience and subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.